Face masks are selling out and officials at airports and train stations checking passengers for fevers as China seeks to control the outbreak of a new virus that has reached four other countries and territories and threatens to spread further during the Lunar New Year travel rush. Anxiety is growing both at home and abroad after a Chinese government expert confirmed fears that the new type of coronavirus can spread from human to human. Starting today, Uber passengers in some California cities may have to pay a lot more for their rides. As KCBS's Matt Bigler tells us, the ride-hailing company is letting some drivers set their own fares. Uber fares at airports in Sacramento, Santa Barbara, and Palm Springs could be up to five times more than the price the company sets for a ride. Uber drivers we talked to were all for setting their own fares. Sure, I mean, if it makes me more money, because I believe right now we're not compensated enough. But many passengers are concerned about ride-hailing gradually getting more expensive. Seems like a lot of people would use it less. According to the Wall Street Journal, Uber is trying to show that its drivers really are independent contractors. Matt Bigler for CBS News, San Francisco. A doctor at the Triangle Veterinary Clinic believes the same people are responsible for the injuries of two pit bulls who were treated at their clinic three months apart. Last week, a dog named Titus from Caswell County was found to have burns on 70% of his body. He will need at least two surgeries. Dr. Chuck Miller says he also worked on another dog with similar injuries in October, and he tells WTVD that he's helping authorities trying to figure out who did it. You know, you kind of, I'm kind of mad now um, just because we would like to find out who's doing this and bring them to justice. It's unknown how long it will take for Titus to get back to good health. Heavy metal legend Ozzy Osbourne says he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, a nervous system disorder that affects movement. The 71-year-old Grammy winner and former vocalist for Black Sabbath made the announcement during an interview on ABC's Good Morning America. Bruce Farrell, NCN News. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your calls a little bit later this hour. Kevin Keats of NC State in the books. Will Brinson on the NFL Baseball Hall of Fame Day. Tomorrow is North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame Day. And I can just tell you it is going to be a star-studded class of 2020. We always get the huge majority, if not all, of the living inductees as guests on our show between now and the induction much later this year. More on that a little bit later. Joining us now, as promised, on one of the lead topics of the day. Can't talk Super Bowl for three hours all day, every day, between now and a week from Sunday. Chris Spatola was a star guard at Army, worked under Coach K at Duke, and nowadays is a contributor to TheAthletic.com, as am I. He's also a host on Sirius XM and a college basketball analyst for ESPN. Chris, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Uh, is there an obvious best team in the nation in your eyes during a season that has already seen a record seven different college basketball teams at number one in the AP poll. We've never had more than that. Yeah. You know, obvious is, uh, is an interesting word there. Um, you know, cause I think it is certainly a matter of taste. Uh, I, I, to me, it's been Baylor for the last couple weeks, uh, David. I mean, I just think they are, you know, I love their guard play. I, I think they're an elite defensive team. Um, I think a lot of what they're doing this year was the extension of a reinvention last year by Scott Drew. Um, you know, I, I, the, the two kids up front, Vital and, uh, and Gillespie, do a lot of the dirty work. I think they're, they're good complementary players to, the, to those guards. They can shoot it. They do a lot of things. So, and look, they, to me, they've got. If, if you want to, I don't want to get into resume talk. I don't imagine you do either. But they, they've beaten to me the best collection of teams. 
Uh, I think they, the win at Kansas was pretty definitive for me. It certainly gives them a leg up in the Big 12 race. Uh, so I would, I would make a strong argument for, for Baylor at this point. My next question is going to assume that during your time at Duke, you took classes in the Coach K language. So we're going to ask you to be our translator. We tell you what Coach K said in English, and then you tell us how it translates to us out in the real world. Are you ready for that? Did you take a language at, uh, at uh, West Point, by the way? Okay, Arabic. T- uh, wow. Which I've... <laughs> I, uh, I've only used once in my life. I won't go into that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, and, and, and that said, I'm more fluent in Arabic than I am in coach. K. Fire away. <laughs> All right. Here's what he said after the blue devils lost to Louisville at home. I am not a sour grapes guy. Every time we lose, I step up here and I give the other team credit and I never throw my own team under the bus. I'm just not going to make any damn excuses. He was not smiling when he said that, and many in this neighborhood have interpreted it as a shot at that Roy Williams guy eight miles down the road after Coach Williams infamously said that this was his least gifted Tar Heel team uh, in his 17 years in Chapel Hill as a head coach. Uh, Is that an appropriate connecting of the dots as you see the world, or is that uh, an, an inappropriate leap of faith? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I certainly in in this area, I can see how the connection is drawn. And I look, I think Coach K under duress. When Coach K's back is against the wall, uh, Coach K will show a side of himself um, that would, yeah, that would certainly intimate, if not infer, a connection to something down the road. So I, I look, I'm not in his head. Uh, I do obviously work for him and do know him well enough that uh, I don't think that's an unfair conclusion to draw. He certainly has a history, certainly after losing, of making some comments that uh, are directed at at some party. Uh, so I, I don't think it's necessarily an unfair conclusion to draw, no. And given your time around basketball, what did you make of Roy's comments? I mean, some coaches say you should never say anything negative about your own players And other coaches say, well, you know, it's okay for Mike Krzyzewski to point out that Duke was the younger team and the less experienced team when they lost to Clemson and Louisville. How much further are you going down a road just to say that this is your least gifted team overall, as Roy Williams said, without pointing the finger at a single player and saying, you know, he just can't make it here? I read it as Coach Williams going through something that he probably has never gone through before in his coaching career. And I I think he is dealing with one of his least talented teams he's had. Um, I think he's dealing with a situation where he doesn't have any answers. And I think he also is somebody who's looking at the future being this year and and realizing that uh, they have a real shot of not making the tournament. And so I, I think all of those things in the aggregate have, again, you know, Coach K reacts to certain things when his back's against the wall after two straight losses. Uh, I think Coach Williams is reacting to a situation uh, where he is dealing with something for the first time where he doesn't really know exactly how to respond to it. And I think he's caught between blaming himself. I think he's caught between painting a realistic picture of the team that he has. 
I think he's trying to paint a realistic picture of what the future holds this year for his team. And I think it's coming all coming out uh, as awkwardly uh, yeah. to him as we find it. And so I just think he's going through some things that he's never had to deal with before. And it's an awkward situation for him and for all of us. Chris Spatola joining us on the David Glenn Show. He's on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. Last night, it was NC State over UVA in Charlottesville. Tonight, it's Duke hosting Miami, an ESPN game at 9 o'clock. Wake is also at Clemson. Tomorrow night, those Tar Heels get back in action with a trip to Virginia Tech. That Cole Anthony guy is still on the sidelines. When you look at the much-discussed big three of the ACC, uh, Florida State and Louisville and Duke. We just saw Louisville beat Duke head-to-head in Cameron. We, we recently saw Florida State beat Louisville head-to-head uh, on the Cardinals' home court. In the bigger picture, does one of those three clearly have the highest ceiling in your eyes? And if so, who is it and why? I mean, I, I, think, I think Florida State does. Um, now, I will say, before I explain that, I, I would say that I think we – we saw a much higher ceiling of Louisville than we've seen all year. Yeah. That was the best I've seen them play. And, you know, look, they were – let's not forget, Louisville was a seven seed last year. And, and I think we anointed them coming back because we recognized a lot of the names. We thought, you know, Wara, who was one of two guys who made an all-ACC team last year coming back, we recognized his name. And we, we, we just – we anointed them because they had a lot of guys coming back. But they had a lot of guys coming back from a seven seed. I think what we saw this weekend was if David Johnson, who, by the way, when I was talking to Chris Mack earlier in the season when Johnson wasn't playing, Mack was raving about it. Yeah. Like, look, this is going to be our most talented player, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, as that kid gets better and Sam Williamson gets better, I think we saw the potential of that Louisville team. That said, Florida State, and this is what Leonard Hamilton has figured out. I don't know if he plays the stock market, but he's the greatest hedge better in the history of people who would play the stock market. <laughs> Because what he's essentially created is a system in which if one of his guys, one of his better players, one of his stocks is not performing in a game, he's got two other stocks that have the potential to really perform. And if those two stocks aren't performing, he's got another hedge over here with guys who come off his bench who could potentially be good. So, you know, they've set up a system where I think they have the greatest margin for error in the league right now. They guard you at a high level. They're starting to show they can shoot it a little bit better than some of these Florida State teams of past uh, have done it. And I thought the win this weekend against Miami showed a real toughness and maturity that I don't think Louisville or Duke have yet. And, and that's the ability to go on the road, to beat a team that you're supposed to beat in a game where you didn't play your best, really didn't play well at all, get that game to overtime, fight to get it to overtime, and then ultimately win that game. So to me, right now, Florida State would be that team you're talking about. With that in mind, when you watch Duke play, uh, lost at Clemson, lost at home to a really good Louisville team, when Coach K says youth and inexperience, you know, obviously that only changes with time. So theoretically, the Devils will be better in those areas a month from now and two months from now. Besides youth and inexperience, you just mentioned toughness. You know, what needs to get better for Duke to get where it wants to go? Because from my vantage point, Trey Jones is really good most nights at point guard. Vernon Carey's really good most nights uh, in the post, although not as much against Louisville. And I think Cassius Stanley has become a really, really reliable sort of, you know, third leg of the tripod there. You know, how many more things need to fall into place for Duke to maximize what it has to offer this year? 
Well, I, the biggest thing, and, 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 and I won't outside of the lineup stuff and, you know, getting Wendell Moore back and all that, the biggest thing right now, David, is they got to figure out how to close games. I mean, their, their late-game execution the other night was bad. I mean, it was bad. And, you know, you mentioned Trey Jones, like, really good player. He, he, can't, he can't take shots like he took late in that game, and he can't turn the ball over like he did. And you give Cassius Stanley a pass. I mean, there was a day where freshmen were allowed to figure out, well, A, there was a day when freshmen weren't on the floor yeah, in right. these games, but there was a day <laughs> where if they were, they could figure out shot selection late in games. But Duke's got to figure out how to close games. And if you're not going to have your best player, Vernon Carey, on the floor, because for whatever reason, he's a defensive liability, he, you can't get him the ball, he doesn't make free throws, whatever the reason is, you got to figure out how to how to who's going to take shots, who's going to be your closer, and you got to figure out how to close games. I mean, that, the thing that among a lot of things that stood out to me the most at the end of that game was Duke looked completely disorganized and and just had no idea what they wanted to do to close out that game or at least try to close out that game. There are at least five ACC teams outside of the Big Three that believe they can build NCAA tournament resumes. When you watch, I think two of them played each other last night, either NC State or UVA or Virginia Tech, the surprise team of this league, or Syracuse and Notre Dame who play each other tomorrow night. The Irish beat the Orange in the Dome earlier this season. Do any of those five look like either NCAA tournament teams or teams that can become that um, or do you believe that there's like a possibility lingering out there that the ACC could somehow be stuck at three bids, you know, even as a 15-team league? Yeah, you know, part of the problem too, David, is going to 20 games. What what the league has, I don't know if they realized they were doing this or not. You've added 30 losses to teams in the league, right? I mean, that, like, so the records are not going to be nearly. I mean, they were bad to some degree last year, where you're trying to fit teams into, into the tournament. You've added 30 losses to the league by doing that. So that's first and foremost. But I'll give you two teams. Okay, first of all, NC State is one of them. I mean, look, we haven't seen a full unveiling of that team because of whatever reason, suspensions, injuries. They haven't had a complete lineup. Right. I, I have said all, all year to you, with a complete lineup, I think that team's talent level is good enough and their coaching is good enough that they should be a tournament team. Yep. I, I believe that. I, I think they'll make the tournament. The other one is Georgia Tech. And, you know, I got to tell you, man, there's a lot of – that team has some talent. There aren't a lot of programs that have their front court talent, their length, their ability to guard. Uh, you know, look, Michael DeVos come back to earth a little bit, but that kid can really score. He's a good player. Uh, he's one of the better scorers in this league. Uh, Alvarado is now back. He's healthy. He's a solid guard. Uh, and now they have Jordan Usher eligible. So – you know, look, I, you know, Josh Kastner is not – I always wonder about him from a coaching standpoint, to be candid. But from a talent level, Georgia Tech should be one of those teams, and for whatever reason, they just can't seem to get consistent or get on track. But, you know, I think if they get more comfortable, again, with Alvarado being back and Usher can get him, his legs under him, I mean, I think that team could win on any given night, and it – it certainly has appeared they could lose on any given night, too. As we let you go, there's no reason you know of to expect that Georgia Tech is going to dodge that postseason ban, right? It's, I think it's on appeal. The last I saw, 
And I agree with you on the Yellow Jackets talent level, but last I saw, they're not allowed to play in the postseason this year unless they win their appeal. Is there any reason to believe they could win their appeal? No, there's no chance. Okay. There's no chance. So just ta- no talent-wise, no, yeah, talent-wise, they might yeah, be there. Yeah, and, and, and I was, yeah, I was answered as just in terms of how they finish out the year. And here's the crazy thing: now that you've opened that whole conversation, like a team that can't play in the ACC tournament and a team that can't play in the NCAA tournament, why are they allowed to play spoiler for other teams in this league? I mean, that's you know, that's where I was coming at from that answer standpoint. Yeah. Like. They're going to beat some teams. They are. Perhaps put, put some losses, hang some losses on some teams that may end up keeping teams out of the tournament and, and Georgia Tech's ineligible. How That should not be allowed to happen. Yeah, and for those who don't watch the Yellow Jackets play a lot, Jose Alvarado and Michael DeVoe are a heck of a backcourt. James Banks down low, block shots and rebounds. Moses Wright from our neighborhood has become a pretty reliable player. They don't have much depth. But their top four is pretty darn competitive, and on most nights they play good defense. So Chris is right. They're going to play spoiler to a lot of teams that can't afford that extra loss to the Yellow Jackets. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, What is it, tonight or tomorrow night? It's uh, Georgia Tech visiting Louisville. I don't think the Cardinals are having a problem there, but you never know. Chris, thanks for the visit, man. Keep up the good work for uh, all of your many employers, and appreciate your time on the David Glenn Show. Absolutely, DG. Be good. You got it. ESPN, SiriusXM, and TheAthletic.com. Chris Spatola on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. I am not as high on the Seminoles as Chris is. I, I have in my power rankings, and Darren, you know the logical side of my brain is very powerful. When I look at the top three teams having similar resumes, and ACCSports.com asks me to put out my power rankings every week, and I do them maybe monthly for the Athletic Carolina as well. Even though I believe the Blue Devils have the highest ceiling, and I believe Louisville has a higher ceiling than Florida State, in my power rankings, I got to give the Seminoles credit for going to Louisville and beating the Cardinals head-to-head, right? And Florida State hasn't played Duke yet. So when I look at those three teams alone in, on that top tier together, Duke just lost at home to Louisville, and Louisville recently lost at home to Florida State. So I'm going to spit out my power rankings as Seminoles 1, Cardinals 2, Blue Devils 3. If you asked me, and I don't know, maybe different people have different definitions of power rankings. If you wrote yours, and I get this question all the time in the comment sections of my articles or you know, Twitter, etc., I am evaluating a body of work. What have you done to this point? Right. So I go Florida State, then Louisville, then Duke and then, you know, UVA and Virginia Tech and NC State are on that next tier. I'm evaluating what has happened. If you asked me to project who has the greatest chance to go the greatest distance, I actually flip the top three. I go Duke, then Louisville, then Florida State. Why? Because the Blue Devils are counting on freshmen heavier than the other two are. Louisville just got a heck of an arrival in air quotes. It wasn't his first game, but it was his first huge game. David Johnson, the point guard, not just playing well at Duke, but the star of the game at Duke as Louisville beat the Blue Devils. Freshmen evolve more from January to March than sophomores and juniors and seniors do, right? So the Blue Devils have Vernon Carey in the post, 
Matthew Hurt at forward. Cassius Stanley is a blossoming wing player. Wendell Moore coming back soon from his hand injury. I mean, those are four really important players to Duke who are all freshmen. And that's why, what's the line from the movie Stripes when Bill Murray's girlfriend is breaking up with him? He says, talk about massive potential for growth. I am the acorn who can become the oak. The Blue Devils are the acorn that can become the oak. I think when you watch Florida State play, they are mostly what they can be. When you watch Louisville play, there's more potential for growth. Why? David Johnson just came on board. He didn't play at all early this year. He played minor minutes as he was working his way back from a shoulder injury. And then there he is, the star of the game at Duke. All right, so that changes the Cardinals' dynamic. Maybe he can get even better, more consistent, et cetera. Maybe even help Jordan Wara as a star-caliber player at Louisville. Florida State is mostly what Florida State is going to be. And that's why my power rankings are slightly different than my ceiling rankings, if you will. 1-800-849-2761. Bottom line is, you'd rather be any of those three than anybody else. I mean, I personally like the Wolfpack. I personally think UVA still has time to figure some things out. I'm not counting out the Hokies, the Irish, or the Orange, although they have longer ways to go to build NCAA tournament caliber resumes. The Tar Heels, of course, I mean, they got to just try to dodge Roy Williams' first losing record in more than three decades as a head coach before they think about making any postseason tournament, much less the NCAA tournament. We'll see when Cole Anthony returns. It is expected to be soon. But the outlook for the top three is one way. How much better can we get to make a run at an ACC title or a Final Four or a national title? That's the conversation at FSU, Louisville, and Duke. Second tier Wolfpack, Cavaliers, Hokies, Orange, Irish, and maybe you like somebody else. I'm skeptical beyond those. It's about building an NCAA tournament resume. And, again, the Wolfpack, with that win over Wisconsin by double digits, by beating UVA at UVA, by beating a good UNC Greensboro team, by beating Notre Dame and Miami and other middle-tier ACC teams. And, remember, they get Louisville and Raleigh soon. Florida State in Raleigh in February, and Duke in Raleigh in February. You win one of those three plums, you're Kevin Keats, man, that's your signature victory. Even if you only win one out of those three, that screams PowerPoints on Selection Sunday. So you got to get one of those three to feel good about things, and then don't face plant against the teams that you're supposed to beat. We'll see. Nice win. Really good. Maybe their second best win last night for the Wolfpack. Again, beating the Cavs in Charlottesville is not an easy task, and they got it done. Below those teams, man, it's just figure out a way to make the NIT. I mean, there's some ugly pictures at some of the schools that we're following, including Wake, including UNC, and they have company in that bottom tier of the Atlantic Coast Conference. You could be next on the NFL. Who's the worst quarterback you remember starting in a Super Bowl? Some are casting aspersions on the 49ers' Jimmy Garoppolo, given that he's only in his first full season as a starter. But he's been pretty good when asked to be pretty good. He's just on a team that's so good in other areas, he only had to throw eight times to beat the Green Bay Packers. Patrick Mahomes, of course, is a superstar for the Kansas City Chiefs at QB. Baseball Hall of Fame ballots will be announced and revealed later today. 
How do you feel about Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and the other more controversial candidates? The Carolina Hurricanes are back on the ice tonight for one final game before the NHL All-Star breaks. It's the Winnipeg Jets in town. Justin Williams, of course, back in uniform for the Canes as they are in the eighth and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That is not a comfortable place to be. Better than outside the playoff picture, but too close for comfort near that cut line for sure. College Hoops, Miami is at Duke tonight. Wake goes to Clemson. Tar Heels in action tomorrow night at Virginia Tech. And we're picking over the details of the Wolfpack's win at UVA. More of your phone calls on the other side. Questions and comments. Questions of the day are fair game as well. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn Dukies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hating. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by 100. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. NCN Sports, I'm Josh Zach. NC State beat defending national champion Virginia 53-51 last night. It was their first win in Charlottesville since 2005. The Wolfpack had to overcome a second-half scoring drought of more than 10 minutes and the loss of DJ Funderburg, who scored 14 points before fouling out with 6.48 to play. Head coach Kevin Keats talked afterward about his reaction to losing Funderburg down the stretch. Well, when he fouled out, I started looking at my assistant coaches to see if I could get them in the game, and I knew neither one of those guys had eligibility. But give Danny Dixon a lot of credit. He's a kid who hasn't played a lot of basketball. Um, he was hurt for a while. I thought Danny did a great job. Other North Carolina programs in play last night. Gardner-Webb was hosting Hampton and winning 39-31 at halftime. But because of an unfixable malfunction to one of the shot clocks during the break, the game was suspended. Information on when the game will be resumed is yet to be announced. They're scheduled to meet again, the running Bulldogs and the Pirates, on February 20th. In play tonight, Wake Forest travels to Clemson. Miami is at Duke. On the ice, Winnipeg is in Raleigh for a 7 o'clock faceoff versus the Hurricanes at PNC Arena. It's the last game for the Canes before the All-Star break, and the rest period could be coming at just the right time. Carolina's gone 1-2-1 and in their last four after winning their previous three straight. Rod Brindamore talked about the pluses and minuses of having a week off at this time of the season. The good, obviously, is for me, it's the mental break. That's what guys need right now. The downside is the physical side of get out of rhythm and you know, sink a little bit. That, that You run the risk of that. But the good news, everybody's in the same boat. It's not an advantage one way or another. Oh, what a way to join the 3,000 hit club! Derek Jeter has done it! Will Derek Jeter be a unanimous selection? We'll find out when the Baseball Hall of Fame announces the new class of inductees tonight. Will Jeter be elected? in his first year of eligibility like teammate Mariano Rivera was last year amid the MLB's sign-stealing scandal. Analysts say it would be just the thing the game needs right now. This is NCN Sports. Whoa, long time no see. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired, but I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweaters. 
sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped, childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. to the David Glenn Show. We have lines open for the first time in a long, long time. Kevin Keats of NC State dropped by after the Wolfpack's big win in Charlottesville. Will Brinson on the Super Bowl and other NFL. Chris Patola on college hoops. I will give you one thing I promised in that neighborhood as we go to Gary and Wilson on Super Bowl quarterbacks. You can join us on the Baseball Hall of Fame. Ballots are vote are in today or will be revealed. 75% is what you need to get in. Derek Jeter, the legendary Yankee shortstop, will lead the class of 2020. Outfielder Larry Walker is right on the edge as the ballots continue to come in or become publicly revealed, I should say. Kurt Schilling, for one set of reasons, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, for different reasons, are controversial guys with great bodies of work but are expected to probably fall just short of the 75% of the writer's vote that you need to get in. The last ballot trackers I've seen had Bonds and Clemens around 71%, shilling a little higher than that. But in years past, those guys got higher percentage of votes from those who were willing to share their ballots publicly. And then when all the private votes came in, their percentages were much lower, meaning you can't assume anything as that announcement lingers a few hours away. 1-800-849-2761. One of the more unusual question or headlines of the day comes from the NFL as we go to Gary and you. 1-800-849-2761. The college basketball tidbit has to do with the last time 
we were in a season filled with chaos and unpredictability where seven different number one teams were at that ranking in the Associated Press poll. Baylor is number seven this year. Remember, Duke had it, Louisville had it, Kansas had it, Michigan State had it, etc. So the Baylor Bears are the seventh different team to be number one in the AP poll. That is the all-time record, seven different teams in a single college basketball season, underlying whatever you want to call it, parity, unpredictability. Some call it just good old-fashioned fun. The last time it happened was decades ago, and there was a really interesting conclusion to that unforgettable season. More on that in a minute. This from the NFL. The league will experiment with an alternative to the onside kick during this Sunday's Pro Bowl. The league is still considering the option, despite the fact that owners rejected it just last year. Now, the Pro Bowl for years has had no kickoffs at all. If they are known to cause injuries in real games, of course, and that is scientifically accurate, they're known to cause more injuries than plays from scrimmage. It's one of the reasons the NFL changed its kickoff rules and there are more touchbacks than ever. And it's one of the reasons the Pro Bowl long ago said, like, we're barely a football game as it is. Wiping out the concept of kickoffs certainly is not going to shock anybody as a revolution, given all the other things that the Pro Bowl has done over the years, including sometimes players' unwillingness to, you know, actually tackle their opponents at real speed. And I don't blame them for the record for doing that. Here's how it's going to work. This year at the Pro Bowl and maybe next season in the actual NFL games, you have two options after scoring. The first option is to just give the ball back to the opposition at their 25-yard line. Under actual current rules, if you kick it into the end zone, they get it at their 25. So you could just say, give my give point to the 25-yard line, and that's all you need to do. No kickoff, no coverage team, no return team, no special teams units on the fields whatsoever. Just point to the 25. The alternative option, and of course, if teams are trailing late in a game, onside kicks are generally the way that you try to get back in it at all levels of football. Given the injury factor, again, they're trying to reduce or eliminate it, and here would be the second option under this in effect for the Pro Bowl set of rules. The team that just scored would get to run one additional play from its own 25-yard line. If you make 15 yards, it's still your ball. So essentially, they're describing it as you have a fourth down and 15 yards to go from your own 25. And instead of the chaos and guys diving headfirst into the pile and even the receiving team, man, do you want to be the guy that is about to catch the ball after the kicker made it bounce really high as some portion of the 11 lunatics running toward you are about to you know, give you a slobber knocker, that's not fun. And it does lead to more injuries again than plays from scrimmage. So you get one play from your own 25. If you make 15 or more yards, you just have a new possession. I mean, it's first and 10, your ball, as if you had recovered an onside kick just without the onside kick. If you fail to get the 15 yards on what is essentially a fourth and 15 play, your opponent not only takes over, They take over at that spot. So there's a penalty. You're running a play from your own 25. If you fall short, you're giving the opponent the ball on your doorstep. So it's still risk-reward, but you could argue that it's even more risk because if that play fails, your opponent might have the ball at your 25, your 30, your 35. At least when an onside kick fails, 
it's a little closer to midfield most of the time. Anyway, that's part of the experimental rules for this weekend's Pro Bowl. The actual Super Bowl remains a week from Sunday away. Gary, welcome to the David Glenn Show. You wanted in on football. Go right ahead and welcome back to the program. Yes, thank you, David. And let me add my voice to those who say congratulations to you for your North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year Award. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, The answer I will provide to the question of the day uh, will be Billy Kilmer of the Washington Redskins. All right, I remember him. Super Bowl Seven, I remember it well. My father was a Redskins fan because that's what was broadcast to us in North Carolina at that time. I love the Dolphins who had their uh, undefeated season that year. Ah, yeah. And they, the Dolphins had Bob Greasy, who might be the closest thing to Garoppolo. He didn't throw much, but he had great running backs to hand off to. He might throw eight passes a game, and the Dolphins would win. But Billy Kilmer, I believe, was actually a single-wing tailback in college and uh, did throw some and made his way into the pro game as a multi-position player and then was a journeyman backup who uh, landed with the Reds in that particular year, and I can remember uh, jokingly when they showed highlights of him passing, they might uh, say if he threw a true spiral, that would be a highlight. (laughs) So it would not surprise you, Gary, to learn that Billy Kilmer of that Washington team was voted one of the 10 worst starting quarterbacks in Super Bowl history. Yeah. No. I, I, I mean, he's I, not last. Uh, Rex, Rex Grossman was voted last from the Bears of, what would that be, Super Bowl 41. I'm, I'm getting my Roman numerals all confused. David Woodley of the Miami Dolphins, Tony Eason of the Patriots, Stan Humphreys of the Chargers, Vince Ferragamo of the Rams. Again, all of these were losing quarterbacks, uh, but these were the bottom ten. Joe Cap of the early Minnesota Vikings. Jim McMahon of the victorious Chicago Bears came in the bottom 10. Neil O'Donnell of the Steelers team in Super Bowl 30. And Billy Kilmer of Washington. Uh, he, he did make Pro Bowls, I am reading. Uh, but he was on the wrong end of that game against the 1972 Dolphins. By the way, is it true that Bob Greasy of that undefeated Dolphins team, and you're right, they were so good at other things, they often didn't need their quarterback to be great. This is, you know, decade plus before Dan Marino came along to lead the Dolphins. Is it true that Bob Greasy was once the MVP of the NFL? Because that's more Patrick Mahomes territory. That doesn't sound very Jimmy Garoppolo-ish at all. I think it is. I don't I don't know the answer to that, David. He may have been, but with Jim Kick, Larry Zonka, yep. Mercury Morris, he could hand that ball off and be really effective. Yeah, that's just on the cutting edge of like when my 
young football brain starts remembering things. I remember those Dolphins. I remember Larry Zonka as this brutish fullback type guy. I remember some of the good Dolphins defenses. You know, fast forward, they usually let Dan Marino down. They rarely let Bob Greasy down. But whereas I think of Greasy as more the Garoppolo type, just take advantage of the great team built around you, uh, he's, he's ranked higher than I thought because he was once an NFL MVP. And, man, if you've been an NFL MVP, making a Pro Bowl can be kind of a quirky thing. You don't know how many quarterbacks said no or weren't available because they were playing in the postseason or whatever. Being the MVP of the NFL is no laughing matter. I mean, Patrick Mahomes already has one on his resume. The very best quarterbacks to win Super Bowls, you know, Tom Brady has MVP on his resume. Montana, you know, guys like that, John Elway, et cetera. Brett Favre, right? I mean, the best of the best not only were great on great teams, they were great individual players themselves, not just Pro Bowls. But if you were all pro, even once, if you were all pro one time, that means they thought you were one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL that year. Pro Bowl, again, there might be 10 different dudes that got named to the Pro Bowl because so many say no in a given year. All pro means I think you were one of the top two or three in that given year. That's a greater honor. And MVP, I mean, that speaks for itself. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP from 2018 leading the Chiefs. Jimmy Garoppolo just completed his first full season as an NFL starter at the age of 28. A fascinating contrast in styles in Super Bowl 54, but I don't think that tells us who's going to win and who's going to lose. Well, last call for phone call is on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. What did happen the last time we had such a chaotic college basketball season that there were seven different teams that rose to the number one ranking in the AP poll? It'll be fun, I'll just say, if history repeats itself, because what happened the last time we had that much rotation – at number one in the polls was an unforgettable NCAA tournament. More on that story with the last run of your calls. Baseball Hall of Fame, the return of Zion Williamson. Tiger Woods and Serena Williams are in the midst of their own returns to golf and tennis. They're just twice as old as Zion is. The NFL, of course, the Super Bowl, the Canes' last game prior to the All-Star break is available for your question or comment as well. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on The David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. At AT&T, we believe that access to affordable home internet brings you incredible opportunities. You can enjoy the power to explore a digital world of possibilities and connect with family, friends, and the things that matter most. That's why there's access from AT&T. If a member of your household is a SNAP participant, you may qualify for home internet at a discounted rate of $10 a month or less. No commitment, no deposit, no installation fee. Plus, get an in-home Wi-Fi gateway included at no extra cost. Call 1-855-220-5211 or visit att.com slash access now to learn more. SNAP refers to the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. 
Pricing excludes taxes and fees. Includes one terabyte of data per month. Data overage charges apply. For details about data allowance, go to att.com slash internet dash usage. Geographic and service restrictions apply. Take warning as the Carolina Hurricanes return to the ice after a long all-star break on Friday night, January 31st, against the Vegas Golden Knights. You can participate in the NHL's Mental Health Awareness Night. Every Mental Health Awareness Night ticket package includes a special Hockey Talks t-shirt and helps raise awareness and funds to provide essential support for individuals affected by mental illness. Learn more at hurricanes.com slash promotions. Introducing from Wilmington and Moorhead City, North Carolina, the delivery dominators, the supply chain champions. It's the lineup that scored $15.4 billion for our state's economy and supported more than 87,000 jobs. Your very own ports team, the North Carolina at North Carolina Ports, we play hard for our state's economy. Now that's something to cheer about. Check out our season highlights at nccranes.com. Who is the North Carolina High School Athletic Association? We are over 200,000 student athletes. We are dedicated educators, coaches, and mentors. We are your neighbors and friends that put on the striped shirts and officiate the games you love every week. We are 419 member high schools from small towns and big cities, anywhere from Murphy to Mantio. We are making a difference and building leaders of communities for the next generation. Who are we? We are high school. We are the NCHSAA. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for phone calls today. Super Bowl 54 remains more than a week away. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame Class of 2020 will be announced in mere hours. The North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame Class of 2020 will be announced tomorrow, and it is going to be a star-studded extravaganza. We'll have many of those guys and ladies as guests on our upcoming shows. Back to college basketball and the one thing I promised as intern Sam takes your calls, 1-800-849-2761. As they say in the stock market, or maybe your financial manager reminds you of this from time to time, past results are no guarantee of the future or something along those lines. The same applies to this tidbit from the college basketball world. As State beat Virginia last night, and I think both remain in NCAA tournament consideration, as Duke hosts Miami tonight, 9 o'clock ESPN, Blue Devils trying to break a two-game losing streak. If you haven't seen Miami play, the bottom line is they have three really good guards and they have nothing else. Whereas Louisville and Clemson had enough age, experience, and balance to bother the Devils and even beat the Devils, Miami does not have enough in the post. Vernon Carey is going to run wild. Cassius Stanley and Trey Jones probably will on the perimeter as well. Good guards versus guards matchup tonight. The Canes are just an incredibly imbalanced team where you go from three really good guards that make it hard to defend you to just almost nothing in the post. And the Devils are just going to dominate inside. I'd be shocked if it's not Duke over Miami convincingly. Remember, Duke beat its first five ACC opponents by an average of 25 points before losing to Clemson and then to Louisville. 1-800-849-2761. The past is no guarantee of the future. We all know that. So Baylor recently became the seventh different number one team in college basketball in the Associated Press poll. That has 
never happened more than seven times in a single college basketball season. So we've never had eight different number ones. That could happen this year. Long way to go, right? But it has happened most recently, seven different number one teams in the AP poll in, wait for it, 1983. Now, the NC State fans in our statewide audience automatically hear a bell ring in their head and are reminded of the cardiac pack. Jimmy V looking for somebody to hug. The big upset of Phi Slamma Jamma in the unforgettable national championship game. Could that sign of parody, did you know, that NC State in 1983, upon winning it all, were at the time the lowest seed ever to win the NCAA men's basketball tournament? Did you know that only two teams lower than the sixth seed have, to this moment, won the big dance? One eight seed, you saw that happen only if you're old enough to remember Villanova in 1985. The Wildcats of Roley Massimino were an eight seed. And the only seven seed that's ever won it all, most of us can remember, it was UConn in 2014. Middling regular season, and then they just went on, on that run. And UConn won it all six years ago. Only eight seed ever, only seven seed ever. Only two six seeds have ever won the NCAA men's basketball tournament. We actually know both of them well. One was 1988 Kansas. They call it Danny and the Miracles. The Danny in that Danny and the Miracles is current Wake Forest head basketball coach Danny Manning. Now, Deacons fans would like to see more flashy, positive headlines on Wake Forest basketball. But Danny was that superstar on his way to being the number one overall pick in the NBA draft for Kansas, a six seed in 1988. The only other six seed that has ever won the NCAA tournament came in this same season of chaos, 1983. Seven different teams rose to number one in the AP poll that year. Almost what? Is that almost 40 years ago now? Holy cow. That's a long time ago. I was not yet covering college hoops when Jimmy V and the Cardiac Pack won it all in 1983. And you all remember that story. Part of the reason that they were not as dominant in the regular season was that they had injury issues. And the way the story is told now is that the guys who got more playing time because of injury issues were that much better by the time they needed them to make big plays against the best competition in the ACC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. It is, to this day, one of the great Cinderella stories in the history of college hoops. If not, by one standard, a lot of folks will say, wait a minute, future NBA lottery pick Thurl Bailey was on that team. You know, Sidney Lowe and Derek Wittenberg were prep stars from DeMatha High School in Maryland. That was not, in every sense, a Cinderella story. If you have Thurl Bailey at forward and you have those guards and you have other good players around them and you have the charismatic Jimmy V leading the way, well, it's not in every way a Cinderella story. But as a sixth seed, the Wolfpack of 1983 is one of the lowest seeds ever to win it all. It happened to come in a year where seven different teams finished or were at number one in the AP poll. Could this year's rotation at the top be a precursor of more chaos awaiting us in the NCAA tournament, as was the case in 1983 when the cardiac pack shocked the world? Perhaps. I'm frankly voting in favor of as much chaos as possible, even as we follow Duke and Louisville and Florida State 
as the ACC favorites and among the favorites nationally as well. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. NCN Sports, I'm Josh Zach. NC State beat defending national champion Virginia 53-51 last night. It was their first win in Charlottesville since 2005. The Wolfpack had to overcome a second-half scoring drought of more than 10 minutes and the loss of DJ Funderburg, who scored 14 points before fouling out with 6.48 to play. Head coach Kevin Keats talked afterward about his reaction to losing Funderburg down the stretch. Well, when he fouled out, I started looking at my assistant coaches to see if I could get them in the game, and I knew neither one of those guys had eligibility. But give Danny Dixon a lot of credit. He's a kid who hasn't played a lot of basketball. Um, he was hurt for a while. I thought Danny did a great job. Other North Carolina programs in play last night. Gardner-Webb was hosting Hampton and winning 39-31 at halftime. But because of an unfixable malfunction to one of the shot clocks during the break, the game was suspended. Information on when the game will be resumed is yet to be announced. They're scheduled to meet again, the running Bulldogs and the Pirates, on February 20th. In play tonight, Wake Forest travels to Clemson. Miami is at Duke. On the ice, Winnipeg is in Raleigh for a 7 o'clock face-off versus the Hurricanes at PNC Arena. It's the last game for the Canes before the All-Star break, and the rest period could be coming at just the right time. Carolina's gone 1-2-1 and in their last four after winning their previous three straight. Rod Brindamore talked about the pluses and minuses of having a week off at this time of the season. The good, obviously, is for me, it's the mental break. That's what guys need right now. The downside is the physical side of get out of rhythm and you know, sink a little bit. That, that You run the risk of that. But the good news, everybody's in the same mode. It's not an advantage one way or another. Oh, what a way to join the 3,000 hit club. Derek Jeter has done it. Will Derek Jeter be a unanimous selection? We'll find out when the Baseball Hall of Fame announces the new class of inductees tonight. Will Jeter be elected? in his first year of eligibility like teammate Mariano Rivera was last year. Amid the MLB's sign-stealing scandal, analysts say it would be just the thing the game needs right now. This is NCN Sports. Excuse me. I know you have a 9 o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline, but nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. 
Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing! Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch on today's program. Thanks to Kevin Keats of NC State for dropping by after beating Virginia. Will Brinson of CBS on the NFL. Chris Patola of ESPN on College Hoops. Soccer fans, the North Carolina Courage are inviting you to visit winthering.com. Winthering.com, the NWSL champs are formulating the design for their championship rings. And if you're lucky, you might win one too. Go to winthering.com. TV options tonight, a potpourri, if you will. Winnipeg at Carolina, last Canes game at home, last Canes game at all until January 31st. Catch them while you can, TV or otherwise. Georgia, Kentucky, Kansas State, Kansas, Butler, Villanova, and Miami at Duke. Highlight your college basketball options. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show. NCN News, I'm Bruce Farrell. The U.S. Senate has convened, and they have resumed the impeachment trial of President Trump. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, one of the seven impeachment managers, he employed senators to call witnesses and fully consider the allegations brought to them. They don't believe that the Senate will be impartial. They believe that the result is pre-cooked. The president will be acquitted. Not because he is innocent. He is not but because the senators will vote by party and he has the votes. As the impeachment trial gets underway, one Eastern North Carolina congressman talked about what's to come. First District Democratic Representative G.K. Butterfield spoke to WITN. The American people are waiting for the truth, and I have confidence that the senators will abide by their oath of office. White House releasing a 110-page legal brief outlining President Trump's defense. The trial memo argues that the articles of impeachment against the president are a brazenly political act by House Democrats. It must be rejected. 
Gaston County poised to join a growing list of counties in the Charlotte region who have declared themselves as Second Amendment sanctuaries. About six counties in the region have either planned to or have already passed resolutions promising to protect gun owners from what its leaders view as overly restrictive firearms laws. Gaston County Commissioner Chad Brown is one of the commissioners co-sponsoring the new resolution. It's been a battle. As you see what's happening right now in Virginia, uh, I'm proud to be one of the counties in North Carolina standing up for our Second Amendment. Experts said the resolutions are mostly symbolic. Four people arrested. Three were shot in a robbery attempt of an armed pizza delivery driver in East Charlotte late last night. The incident happened just before midnight at an apartment complex. Police say the victim was delivering pizza when four robbers approached him. The victim says one of the suspects pointed the weapon at his head, and that's when he pulled out his pistol and shot at the robbers. That investigation continues in Charlotte today. You're listening to NCN News.